So to catch you up in the last 30 minutes, we went to set up to record this and then nothing was working Mm -hmm. because Adobe Audition refuses to function until you update it. And I just praised Adobe Audition and this is how it treats me. Yes. So if you're you're listening to this, it is Friday, September 27th. Uh, Yesterday, September 26th, a Thursday, we were featured on another podcast. It is called Your Podcast or Mine. It is hosted by our friend Sherry. Who's awesome. She's amazing. She was She's a former music journalist for many years and now hosts a podcast about other podcasts. Uh, and she chose us to be on there. So we had just finished recording that, which if you go listen to it, Bethann talks about how great Adobe Audition is. <laughs> and then it curses us like this. <sighs> Just then, gotta learn. You can't praise things. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> talk nicely about your computer programs because they will backstab you. Yep. Is the moral of this story. So we got a new iTunes review. We did. Do you wanna read it? I would. Love to. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you would love to. It's titled The Only Podcast I Listen to Regularly. 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 It is cut off. In yeah. all fairness. Um, by four inside. I'm pretty sure this is Danae. Who gave us a five-star review, but they're four inside. Anyway, podcasts were always just something I listened to here and there. Before a road trip, I would download episodes that sound interesting and sometimes not even listen to them. But I listen to every single She Will Rock You episode on a regular basis. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're... We'll, we'll save that other one for the okay. for next recording. I didn't see this one. I read it to you at work the other day. <laughs> you expect me to remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm working with a 48-hour memory frame here. That's uh, it. I didn't realize I was working with Dory here. <laughs> so this week, we got something a little different. Mm-hmm. We, instead of our normal format of talking about different artists, we actually sat down with... Blake Getterberg, he is the owner of Speaker Tree and the owner of Backline Coffee, which if you didn't know, is one of our sponsors for this podcast. Um, but we got to talk with him about the vinyl record scene that's been growing, a little bit about the importance of music, a couple of different lightning round questions that yep. I think are hilarious. You, you will learn a lot about the kind of first impression I give people. <laughs> um, we're going to leave the original intro that we recorded for this in because it's really awkward and really uncomfortable and we feel like you need to listen to it. I mean, why wouldn't you want to listen to something <laughs> awkward and go uncomfortable? We had very high ambitions of just recording it all in one go and that did not happen. So um, enjoy this episode. Yep. Oh, shit. We didn't introduce ourselves. Oh. I'm Leah. I'm a man. And this is Shiwa Rakyo. Da-da-da. We are here live. Well, not really live. We're recording this live. You're not listening to this live. But we're recording live in the back room at Speaker Tree slash Backline. You've heard us talk about them before. Now you're going to meet... What are you doing? <laughs> I'm setting this down and checking the levels at the same time. Uh, is that, is that, am I not allowed to multitask, Leah? No. 
right. It was so gentle. <laughs> I was doing two at the same time. Wanted to make sure she I didn't want to be loud when you both. Yeah, yeah I didn't want to <laughs> that. Oh, oh. Oh, you see? That's why I went slow. There's a lot of things. That was There's on a the lot wires. of equipment here. Literally. Yeah, I didn't know if you were killing a bug or what you were doing. I mean, there is a bee on my... She was killing a beer. Am I right? <laughs> there you go. Uh, there it is. Uh, now that that intro is effectively ruined, it's going to have to be the intro to this podcast because it's too funny not to be. Well, save some time. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're recording this from the back room at Speaker Tree slash Backline. We're here with Blake. Hello. There's, there's three people on this podcast today. Beth Ann's shoving a mic in my face because I'm not very loud. Um, so... We'll just cut out all this awkwardness, and we're going to get right to talking to Blake and let you guys know why we're interviewing him. So, Blake, the reason we have you on this podcast is we're trying to make something old cool again. You're trying to make something old cool again. Mm-hmm. How's that How's that going for you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, when we're not being uh, greeted with someone walking in the shop and saying, oh, people still buy these? Um, you know, other than that, it's good. Um, we have a good customer base of all across the board and, uh, contrary to popular, popular belief, people, young, old, male, female, all across the board collect vinyl. So it's not just a bunch of old men. That's good to know. We'll get into that a little bit later. Yes. Uh, but to get started, tell us what got you into music? What got me into music? Uh, I would say when I was younger, I grew up in New Jersey. And uh, so there was good shows all across the tri-state area. So if I wasn't going to Philly or New York or Starland Ballroom, like, you know, that's what I did every weekend. I tried to find a show to go to. And so what draws me to music is the experience in that moment. You have so many people together at the same time and space enjoying the same exact experience and I think that's kind of what draws me to it is like seeing everyone interact with something that someone else created and them fulfilling the live music um so I'd say live music is what draws me to music I feel that nothing beats a good live show yeah and I'm really jealous of those who live in the tri-state area because Mm -hmm. you get all the cool shows well if a tour didn't come to our area it was like what's going on like, no, I mean, that's be really, because we kind of grew up a, a couple hours away, because you were... I was on the coast of New Jersey. Okay. So, like, like Manahawk and Tom's River. Okay, yeah, Tom's River. So, mm-hmm. you were, like, three hours from Hudson Valley, which has Poughkeepsie, which had a lot of shows at The Chance. Mm-hmm. It was either you Never been to The Chance. Oh, man. A couple there, shows there, there were... There were some good moshes at The Chance. I there was a lot clear. of good shows that went to The Chance. Oh, yeah. But they usually would hit... Philly or New Jersey too, so yeah. I would go to those. Or Starland Ballroom. Was oh, Starland Ballroom seen some crazy shows there. Yeah, yeah. Last did they remember show that they ever played like in a club club, like a smaller club, was there. Oh, nice. It was so sick. Yeah, Starline is like you had Starline, you had the Chance. I forget the one in Philly that was really well known. Uh, there's the TLA, the Trocadero, which is now closed down. That was oh, my, really? That was my first heavy metal show ever. That's oh. what got me into it. Dang. It was Chiodos, Scary Kids, Scare, Scary Kids, Scaring Kids, Devil Wars Prada, which later became my favorite band, yes. Emery, and a band called Trophy Scars. That's a good lineup. And I've later, at in college, met a friend that was at the same exact show. We later became friends at school. Oh, that's small, cool. Small that's world. insane. Shout out to Brian Curtis. That's awesome. <laughs> so, 
what made you want to open a record shop in the middle of nowhere in Virginia in a downtown that at the time was not hopping? Yeah, well, there's a few things there that I can I can specify a little bit more detail on. I didn't start Speaker Tree. Speaker Tree's existed for 11 years, I believe. Did not know that. Going on 12. And there's been quite a few different owners throughout the time. And what what I guess what drew me to Speaker Tree was back when I was the like when I purchased it with a partner there they had a, the smallest live music venue that hosted original bands and I was a promoter putting on shows mainly renting churches and I wanted my own space to be able to put my own shows in I also was graduating college um, in May and this was May of 2016 and I was a business major. I wanted to get my feet wet with some business and kind of figure out the ropes because I guess you, you definitely learn more doing than what you would in school. So the opportunity presented itself to purchase Speaker Tree. And my partner at the time, Nick Catrufo, wanted to handle the record side of the business. I was going to do the business side of it and the, the business management, marketing, and then do the live music. And so that's what got us into is I wanted... For me, I wanted more business experience, especially in a field that I felt passionately about music. Was into vinyl at the time, definitely gotten more into it. But like I said, I'm, I'm very transparent. It's not that I'm a vinyl nerd or vinyl head, but more so I like the encounter that people have with music. And I think through records and fostering that, you know, environment, people have that encounter with bands and with music and the supporting of the artists. So that's what kind of drew me to a record shop and what keeps me in, interested in this. And kind of to interject off of that, um, would you say like there's something about having like an actual physical record and interacting with it compared to today where everything, and I'm, I'm going to be quite honest, I'm like the most guilty person of this where everything's just Spotify or it's Apple Music. It's Absolutely. just actually going through and filing through the records and mm -hmm. taking in the album art, taking in which songs are on which album, where everything's so on demand today. Yeah, I would say my, my response to this all the time is that we are in a very digital world. Everything is available at our fingertips on our phone, typically. So I would say that our generation is, is an experience-driven generation. So that's why you're seeing young millennials and Gen Z, I think it is, getting into records because it's a tangible way for them to enjoy the music. And just like when we grew up and there were CDs and we would like open the CDs and there were, we looked at the lyric inserts and who they thanked on the record. Like we got excited about that. That's our generation before that. Like they got excited about the record too, because all the inserts, the album art, it was big, it was physical. I think there's a special thing about dedicating a space in your house to something. And so just like anyone would have like a statement piece in their living room or a piece of art on the wall, it's uh, part your record collection becomes a part of who you are. And then when someone comes over and they want to look through your collection, you kind of get to see like, oh, you're into this. I didn't know that. Or like, oh, my gosh. And then they like go on a tangent like this is my favorite record. I saw this band here. or You know, let me tell you a story about this record. And we get to hear so many of those stories meeting customers of like why like. Uh, a name is written on the top corner of a record it's because a lot of people used to bring their records to parties and they'd write their name on the cover. So if there was duplicates, people knew which one was theirs. And so it'd be like, you know, Janie Smith, you know, and it'd be like rumors by Fleetwood Mac. There might've been four people that brought that record that night. So it's like, you want to make sure you keep yours 
you know, with yours, but then they, they put in a stack and people would go through and pick what they want. And it's the modern, like, I guess it's modern day now would be a Spotify playlist that you share with your friends mm -hmm. yeah. was like the record party, like bring records yeah. to this party and let's all share our music together. I think that nostalgia there, like when you said CDs and going through, like I remember yeah. seventh grade, mom, let me go get an CD from FYE. It's yep. like the best day. Yeah. But that, that was where all my report card money went. Yeah. Target in my case, but yeah, but there is something about like mm -hmm. actually having it and holding it instead it's of an, just here's, a, here's a playlist, send it digitally. Yeah. And it's an extra step. Um, we, we always say like, we're not trying to change the way people consume music. Um, we're just trying to give them a way to, um, feel like they can be more bought into it because there's something about having it and buying it. Like, I used to be the kind of person that would download something on LimeWire just to make sure I liked it. And if Same. I, and if I loved it, I would go and buy the record. I'd go to Target or Walmart or something. Try and like before you buy. Best Buy. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I always made sure like if I supported the band, I was like, man, they wrote a really cool record that I enjoy. I'm going to go buy it. Cause I also feel guilty that I stole it first. <laughs> so it's like, and that's kind of like what it is. Like any record now, I, I guess that's also why we see a, decrease or we don't sell as many new records like brand new records because most people are are used to consuming brand new music through spotify mm -hmm. and like the perfect example would be um the killers record so hot fuss we can sell all day long but their later releases aren't that popular to sell and it's not because the records aren't as good but it's because nostalgia like that was the record the pop record that the killers wrote that we all grew up on and people might be like, oh, the new record's really cool, but I'll listen to that one on Spotify, but I definitely want that one on vinyl. Mm -hmm. so there's like a commitment because it means so much to you that you want to commit to vinyl. I get that. I think the records that I own, because I don't have that many, are ones that like mean something to me. Like mm -hmm. the first record that I bought when I got my record player was Paramore's Riot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because it's just what I listened to nonstop in high school. Going back to to the the record store piece, how have you seen the store grown since you took over and you bought into it or Yeah. So I, and you've moved. <laughs> yeah, I would say yeah, we did so yeah, that part we were on Fifth Street when we bought it and the story that I guess I don't tell enough is that when we when we did buy the place, we were like we knew that sustainability in Lynchburg, like with the record market, it's a very small market. So we either knew like we were either going to hone completely in on the on the music venue side, either be like a real venue with like a bar or we were going to do like the coffee and records concept. And so I guess a, one of the ways in which we've grown is that it took three years. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, we wish it would have happened sooner. But, you know, we we decided a year in um, that we weren't going to commit any further to Fifth Street. Um, and we wanted to be downtown specifically because of the growth and the foot traffic, the tourism, things we didn't get on Fifth Street at the time, because this is dating back to when there was nothing. Fifth and Federal just opened, um, but Gray's wasn't there. Obviously, Daughters and Sons took our space. Mm -hmm. um, there was just not a lot going on. Mama Crockett's wasn't there. So we were kind of like lone rangers up there. So we knew the future of the business needed to involve more of the retail side. And, you know, that's because we are in the record business, we're in the retail business, long, like more time, more hours of the day than we are a venue. And so 
while the demographic was split, half of the people look at Speaker Tree as a really cool music venue. And there's like people who look at it as their record shop. Like mm-hmm. that's where I bought my records. So we had this split demographic of um, customers some with a little bit of a lap over. And so I would say moving here, um, we've seen a lot, like a, an increase in business because we get a lot more tourism, a lot of people out of town. Um, one of the biggest compliments that, that I get is like, people coming from out of town and and being like, wow, like I wish we had something like this in our city. Like, this is so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and so like, that's like affirmation that, you know, from people from Charlotte and who have like, you know, lunchbox records, which is like huge. And like, Oh, we love lunchbox, but like, this is cool. Like, especially ever since we put the coffee in. So yeah, we've seen definitely an increase in business an increase in out of towners, which is cool. And then just more foot traffic, more people getting to enjoy the space Personally, I think the space is way more beautiful, mm-hmm. has a lot more character. And with the coffee shop being added, you know, we invite people that want to hang out and want to stay. And, you know, you can study, you can hang out, you can do whatever you want and like, you know, be surrounded by music and other people who like music and like vintage clothing and, you know, the whole the whole thing. Uh, I know you've mentioned before in some other conversations we've had that you added the coffee to like create this community around music and coffee. Mm-hmm. Do you have any cool stories you want to share about the community that's come out of that? Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the most, I guess one of the most like meaningful moments was there was two older couples, probably like 60s, 70s, um, sitting at the bar one morning drinking just drip coffee, hanging out and... Um, Mrs. Robertson came on and they all like started singing along and like reminiscing and like talking about like, Oh, I remember when this song came out, like they were like, and like, I was like literally like trying not to geek out, but I was like cr- almost crying. Cause it was like, wow. it was like, I just don't think that's an experience that like, they just felt so nostalgic being in the space, being surrounded by things that they grew up on. I really think that I would say my moment of this is what it's about, you know, uh-huh. creating moments like this, having people who love music, all kinds. It could be old music, could be new music, but having people have that experience in our space, like just for me, like really hits home. And so, yeah. And then also there was a, an older man one time in here and a young kid, probably like our age, 20s. Um, they both were sitting together going through 45s and they were like sharing recommendations. Like the old man was giving the kid recommendations and he was buying some of the stuff that the man recommended. And he's like, I didn't know kids like were into these. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I didn't, he's like, none of my friends aren't, but like, I love them. And they just sat there for 45 minutes and just like hung out. I'm like a 60 year old man, 70 year old man who drove from Roanoke actually. And then this young kid, like, and they had this conversation at the end, they shook hands. They're like, it was so nice spending time with you. And I like literally the whole time was like going to sob because I'm like, this is what, like this, these moments are like what we're trying to create and like, or not trying to create, but like giving a place for them to happen, you know? And so that was, that was also really cool. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You're also good at keeping track of like who likes what and connecting people. Cause I mean, you connected me with a new friend of mine because she also likes the stress. Yeah. Cause I'm like, how do they not know each other? (laughs) We didn't know each other. (laughs) We had like very similar interests. We were in two of the same Facebook groups. We had never met. We both worked. We worked three blocks away from each other and never met. So I think that's pretty cool. You can like remember who likes what you kind of answered this already, but what's the coolest part of your job? Um, coolest part of my job is definitely fostering like those moments and seeing people 
like little things like even we get a lot of people that are just passerbyers you know like they just wander in or whatever and like there's times where like an older couple will come in and they'll like sift through the records like wow you know we used to have these they'd pull records out and like show each other like do you remember this one they're like you know like it could be like oh we danced to this song at our wedding or like you know like oh this you remember and they tell stories about their friends and like their relatives and stuff moments like that really put it into perspective of how universal music is and like how it draws all ages can connect all ages and bridge any gap you know between people and so being that we can appeal to a wide audience and the and the focus be the, their love of music and their appreciation like i think that's the coolest part of all this yeah totally i think kind of going off the album thing i'm kind of just singing through this right now like just saying about like actual vinyl record albums compared to what we have today i feel like we don't appreciate the art that goes behind it even when i walked in today big brother and the holding company was playing janice joplin's first band and i was like i went to the i'm like this is the coolest album cover ever it's like all comics and it's mm-hmm. all hand drawn but we just don't like i feel like appreciate that today today it's just we have our record albums and they're so beautiful but it's just something about like those old vinyl records and just mm-hmm having time to sit down and hold the artwork and kind of like look at all the details in it and appreciate any of the photography or any of the artistic elements to it. It's just, Mm -hmm. there's something nice about it. Yeah. And it's like album covers, like the, you know, like the band has to really put thought into what they want Mm -hmm. on the cover. Now like that vinyl's back. So even newer bands are like, it does matter. No, just like back then they were like, we need to have a, a cover that's like really iconic and like, there's certain catch people's attention yeah there's certain album covers like if you took the name off of it and like the album name and like you flashed it in front of somebody they'd know exactly everyone can tell you what abby road is yeah exactly (laughs) where is this picture from or like even just the block that abby road was pictured on it's like you know it's just like so iconic and i i think you know and i don't know if we're gonna get into this later but that's part of about vinyl like that you know it's changing the way modern day music is made and because they're starting to think about like when you flip the record over there's another intro song so it's like it's not like mm. a digital thing where it's like everyone's listening to it all at once it's like you almost need like two like a middle track of the album needs to be like an opener because it's like there's gonna be time when someone stops the record turns it over and puts it back on mm. and that next song needs to be like cool too and so it's like the way that they're placing the songs on the record make a difference and you're seeing bands take a more thought about the whole record as a cohesive part of art instead mm-hmm. of just yeah. let's write two like bangers and just put them out as singles and then the rest of the album is like okay it's like if you want to drive album sales the, the whole record needs to have hits on it yeah like, you just need to have a, a bunch of really good songs it's almost like an integrity thing mm-hmm. for the record labels and artists itself because it's not so much money driven as it is art driven at that point mm-hmm. yeah where like you were saying don't just write two hits that we can sell and get on Billboard Top 100. Like, make it an experience. Yep. And that's something we've talked about as well as, like, people don't listen to albums anymore. Or they didn't for a long time. It was mm-hmm. like, you, you buy the, used to buy the CD because you liked one song off of it that you heard on the radio. And you listen to it and you're like, I still only like that one song. Yeah. <laughs> it ends up on, you know, now that's what I call music 47. And then you <laughs> just buy the compilation. Yeah. Um, so I, 
I think it was last week, this week, sometime recently, they announced that records are going to surpass CD sales for the first time since 1986. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I I feel like I've seen that article the last couple of years. Really? A, like That's I, disappointing. Yeah, like I saw it come <laughs> up. Because I found like, one dated like a week ago. Yeah, no, they did. It came back out, and mm. I thought that that was already happening. Um, maybe it didn't hit the goal because I think it's estimated right okay, now. Okay, maybe that's what it was. But yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense. Like I would say, one or two people a month will come in looking for a, a specific CD mm-hmm. release. But yeah, I mean, I just feel like CDs are the first thing to go like the first form of media to go because it's like no one's gonna throw a bunch of records in the back of their car on the floorboard of their car like cds were so abused you know <laughs> really that, were. It's, it's just like you had a bunch of them you just threw in your car and it's like yes. oh yeah like let me grab that you know cd from under the seat of my car like <laughs> you're never gonna like records it's like oh i'm gonna make sure they're all like really neat and dust free kept, yeah kept upright so they don't warp and it's like yeah it's they were just so disposable yeah. You know, and it's I can see that. I yeah. have a lot of scratched up CDs that you just try to like you kind of regret it. You're like, yeah, let me like try to clean it let off and throw it back in. Like, yeah. yeah, it's cool. I mean, nothing, nothing against like, you know, it's still a physical form of media, which if that's why how you consume music, more power to you. You they still bought it. They right? served their purpose. Yeah. But that, that's where technology saves too. us. Yeah. I saw that. There's been a lot of cassette sales lately. The Jonas yeah. Brothers, when they released their album, they did three versions of each vinyl cassette and cd one for each brother which is pretty cool uh that is cool the the vinyl and the cassettes were each colored too but i thought that was pretty cool and i was like why are they releasing a cassette but the guardians of the galaxy cassette kind of like changed that that was i can see that they put that out and it like was huge and so it was like one of the highest grossing like cassettes releases of all time wow and i like i think that's what kind of set a resurgence of like because it's just cool it's nostalgic even if you don't listen to it it sits well on your shelf and looks cool it does look cool Mm -hmm. especially if you have like the colored version or whatever yeah they Um, use the same they actually make cassettes now there's a company the tape is made out of the same tape that you would have on the back of a debit card oh same technology Oh, that's cool. Interesting. Yeah. Did there's only a few companies left that truly make them. There's one guy, there's like a documentary on YouTube if any of you get bored and want to watch it. What's the name of it? Definitely I don't, watch I don't that. know what it is, but if you write like, if you write something in there about cassette, making cassettes or cassette like factory, there's a guy who like refused to shut his cassette manufacturing company down and like Good was waiting, <laughs> was yeah. like waiting it out and then it came back and he was like, I told you and like in the in the interview it's like he's like our business has grown 52% year over year this Aww. year. I'm like, wow, you know like he just kept it going. He loves That's yeah. adorable. Yeah, he's he's an older man. And now man. he's a millionaire for it. Yeah, he's yeah, killing it. He so. he was smart. So we t- we talked about this a little bit earlier but now we'll really talk about it. What are some of the stereotypes and myths and stuff that people have around like buying records coming into the records shop i'm sure you've yeah. a lot of like well, really uncomfortable people in the store yeah yeah so i would say um we joked around about it earlier like people do still buy records no one's getting rich here and <laughs> no one's like you know breaking you know the door to get in but it's like there are you know some really good true fans that are you know 
it's all, it's all across the board. You have people who have gotten rid of their collection over the years. And they're like, oh, when vinyl took a dip, I just kind of like offloaded them. Or, and now I'm trying to rebuy them and redo my collection. So they're like mentally going back and being like, what did I used to have? I want to get it again. You have people who are just getting into it, young kids, like college kids and stuff who are like, man, I just think this is a really cool hobby and I love music and they get into it. Mm-hmm. You, It's not just for old men. There's a lot of women that shop here um, yeah. <laughs> of, all, of all ages, which is one of the reasons why we, you know, we started talking because I yeah. just, I love the fact that you guys shine a light on women in music and rock history. And, you know, some of our most loyal customers are women, you know, and think, they shouldn't feel uncomfortable shopping here because it's a man's hobby, according to a lot of people. It's not. Um, Don't but let it's them not. tell you otherwise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say music is universal. And I always joke around that if you have ears, you are our target demographic. <laughs> so if you, <laughs> like if you listen to music of any kind. So, yeah. And then we personally hear like some of my core values are no one should feel insecure about what they buy be who you are, like what you like, own it, and don't let anyone make you feel weird about what you like. And so it doesn't matter if you like pop and you want to come in here and order the new Taylor Swift record when it comes out. or I will be doing that. Yeah, or if, <laughs> if you're like, I really like classical or, you know, bluegrass or, you know, things like some of your friends might not like, it doesn't matter. It's for you. It was art created for you. That's why the band made it. There's an audience for everything. Yeah, I would say also there's a lot of pretension around collecting that we try to break. Mm-hmm. And so there is a fine line. So there not to not to crap on anything, but like <laughs> Don't um, name any names. But. Yeah, well no, not like people, <laughs> but like I would say that there are turntables out there that are very affordable mm-hmm. and they're they serve a purpose of getting people into it. But I also look at it the way the analogy I say is like, you know, your parents always say like your first car shouldn't be super nice because you're going to bump it. You're going to you might crash it or whatever. You know, it's kind of the same thing about records. If you're interested in getting into it, we would be more than happy to find you a very affordable way to get into it. But, you know, what we what we offer to get into it is the Audio-Technica uh, base level with the edifier speakers. So it's two hundred dollars, but it's the best, ter- most turnkey setup you can have that's going to be have quality and it's going to sound good because we're seeing a lot of people get a low end turntable that you can get at like, you know, TJ Maxx or target for like 40 bucks, 50 bucks. And then they're like, I don't get this whole vinyl thing. I don't understand it. It doesn't sound better. I'm like, it's not going to sound better coming out of two inch speakers. Yeah. Like it's just going to sound, you know, really like flat and there's going to be no ambiance to it. It's going to sound dry and boring. It's like playing it out of your spoon phone speakers versus yeah, your car speakers. Exactly. So <laughs> it's it's one of those things where, you know, you can invest um a very small amount and you get up and get a small amount of, you know, in return. Or you can really build up, you know, I, I, I don't recommend going out and getting a thousand dollar setup right off the bat. But if you're into the hobby and you get into it and you're like, wow, this is really fun. I like this and then your your interest is peaked and then you you start to hear about different amplifiers and different vintage speakers you can get and you can really ramp up you know your in-home setup but i would say it is it it's a hobby for anybody but it's just like any hobby you can have if you like golfing you can have go really high end on like or entry level you know Mm -hmm. 
whatever, like any, any hobby you can think of, there's ways to get into it cheap and there's ways to get into it if you want to spend a ton of money. And so it is for anyone. If you're interested, we'd love to talk to you about getting into it and helping you figure out what is best for you. You actually answered like last four questions in that answer. Is there anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> oh man, that was all of it. That was all of it. Anything else? Well, we have you... another section. We, there's a whole another section of lightning round questions. Oh, but... nice. oh don't spoil the surprise. Um, oh. Speaking of target demographic, here's my fun fact. Okay. This is my. This is what I was saying earlier. Oh, is this the exclusive? Okay. Exclusive. Yeah. All right. So I was actually really intimidated by Leah as a customer. <laughs> When she came in, because she was always really quiet and kind of stuck to herself. I'm turning the mic for this. <laughs> and I was always like, this girl like knows music. And she's like, <laughs> like, I just was always super intimidated when you came in. I was like, Hilarious. I was like, I don't want to like upset her. And then when I found out you were like into marketing, I'm like, what if she thinks we do a bad job marketing? And I was like, it would like took a while to like get to know you to be like, okay, she's like really cool. And not like. Like, I was just super, like, worried all the time. I'm like, she probably is like, man, this place would do so much better, like, if I marketed it. I just tend to scare people the first time I meet them anyway, so it's fine. Yeah, like, I thought you were cool, and I'm like, I'm like, this is cool. She's one of our, like, hip, cool customers. You're not alone. I've never told you this. (laughs) Oh, shit. But we were at a different place. I think, like, the first time we started working together, I was like, but you were just kind of doing your work. You got to understand, when Leah's in a mode... When this girl is working, she's working. She she she's there. Don't bother her. Mm-hmm. But but when you get to know her, she's one of the best people. She's Aww. one of my best friends. But yeah, everyone's intimidated by me. It's fine. <laughs> but no, you're great. Uh, so fun fact: I was always scared to come in here because I didn't know anything about music. So this is hilarious. That is funny because you. I think you. <laughs> what you did was you hyped yourself up before you went in. I did. And you walked in like you own the place. And I was like, oh. And you let you just be like, queen record. And I'd be like, oh, okay. That's and, hilarious. Yeah, so so. I, I almost lost a job interview one time because I was too confident. So this feels right. This feels right. No, it's just because you're a three. <laughs> this is true. This is I'm an Enneagram three. So am I. I yeah I have been diving into that a lot this week. It's really uncomfortable. You're not gonna like it. <laughs> no, it's not. The the scariest part is like figuring it. Like you read through it and you're like, oh, these are all the qualities of healthy three. Okay. I don't have any I'm, of those. I'm, I'm sometimes healthy, and I was like, and then I have very unhealthy three thoughts sometimes. Yeah. I'm just like, dang, this sucks. Yep. Um, yeah. I feel that. So crazy. Uh, on on we, that note, Enneagram podcast. <laughs> Yeah. There are some really good ones there. Millenniagram is a good one. Are there She's ones specifically for threes? Yeah, she does it by like one episode per type whenever she covers a, covers a topic. They're really inappropriate. They're not family friendly, but they're really good because she doesn't she doesn't bullshit around. She just gets Millenniagram. Millenniagram. That is a great name for that, isn't it? She wrote a book too. I haven't read the book yet. Need to read the book. Uh, so lightning round. These are just rapid fire questions. We can play along because we haven't ever answered these questions on the podcast. Oh, shit, you're right. So, here. guilty pleasure artist. Uh, guilty pleasure artist. Uh, I don't feel too guilty about it, but I do like hip hop. Some like G Easy. I like G Easy, which is probably going to lose a lot of fans for me. <laughs> um, yeah, Halsey's pretty cool. 
I do enjoy Halsey. I don't know why I named both of them back to back. I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't like they had a really crazy relationship that ended poorly. Um, but yeah. Once again, I wouldn't say it's a guilty pleasure, but Lizzo. And then a new mm. artist I've been getting into called Poppy. I knew you were going to say that. It, oh, okay. I have can, you listened to I Poppy? See, no, I can see you being into Poppy, though. I, I don't really... Oh, I, I mean, I don't feel guilty about any of these, but like country, there's some country. Oh, I mean, yeah. I just, I really love uh, Johnny Cash, but that's not, I don't feel guilty about that because everyone in the oh, world should... We, like, but I listen to like Post Malone. We asked this question in jest, but don't feel guilty about anything you're listening to. You're listening to this podcast. That's true. Listen to what you enjoy. I'm going to, yeah... <laughs> But I do listen to metal a lot, some pop stuff. Yeah. I go back to uh, like the 2003 to 2007 era of music a lot of times. Just go back yeah. and relive. I guess the the 2019 version of a guilty pleasure is do you go to private session when you're on Spotify when you listen to this artist? I never go on private session because that's who I am as a person. I know. But if you, I, I'm trying to think like sometimes when I'm like, like the new Attila record or something like, oh, yeah. you know, Attila, like yeah. it's like, there was one time where I'm like, I'm going to check it out, but I don't want anyone to know that I checked <laughs> it out. So like, I'll go to private session. So I, I guess it's a guilty pleasure. I used to like some of their stuff, but that's when I just liked heavy music. My more. answer's worse than all y'all because oh, right sometimes right. I just get in the mood to go back and listen to high school musical and Hannah Montana, oh. but I don't okay. put it on private. So hey, good for you. <laughs> Own up to it. Don't be ashamed. I, that was, I was my jam. school musical when I was in high school maybe <laughs> yeah you can't beat it nothing else will ever top that that was a hard one like as an emo kid and you had to like hide <laughs> that you liked high school musical but couldn't really say it i embraced it because there was a girl i liked that liked it it's so a good reason i was soaring flying i did not have that reason <laughs> i was just on disney channel and i you gotta love it i got it yeah. to see what it's about the the third one came out my senior year it was a bad time in, in the life of me and my friends. <laughs> yeah, I don't really this, feel guilty about oh. anything I listen to. Well, then finish the sentence. Taylor Swift is blank. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble. I would... Oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble no matter how I answer this. <laughs> Taylor Swift is okay in her later years. I'll give you that. I liked her earlier records more, but now I'm a little upset. With how she handled this Scooter Braun stuff. Mm. I think she milked it a little bit too much. This is a music business. When you sell your record, when you sell the rights to your music early on in your career because you wanted to be a big star, you can't be mad about it later. We just learned in the episode that dropped today when we're recording this that Kansas signed away $30 million because they didn't know what they were doing. So it just happens. Yeah, rant. Rant time. That's how the music industry works. If labels have the leverage and you're an artist that has none, which she was, she was cool. She was young. She had a guitar. She could cry on it. And (laughs) she was like, I, you know, whoever was in charge of her life at the time, her parents, herself, whoever it was, was like, we think she has something. And the label said, yeah, we agree. We could really help you be a big star. And she got a, to be very big and has lived a very good life and has made a lot of money. And it was because the label at the time was like, Hey, we can help. But when you don't have any leverage and they have the leverage, they're like, we'll, we'll help, but we want, we want to own the rights to the music because it's like, we're putting you on the map. You can't get that upset about that. That was a decision that was made back then by her, her parents, whoever made the decision and she has to live with it. And Scooter Braun is an amazing uh, artist management manager 
and has put Justin Bieber on the map and has been good to him. And I think that it was a ploy to <laughs> sell more albums. So that's what I thought. She's she's cool though. I, I respect I watched her documentary and I cried. Like I think she has built an incredible fan base and has changed a lot of people's lives and I respect that. And she means a lot to a lot of people. So I do respect her. I just was a little bummed how that all went down. Why are you scared of my answer? Because you're you're leaning very close to this microphone right now. <laughs> Taylor Swift is a human. <laughs> Probably about 29, blonde hair, has cats. Thank you, thank you for that answer. <laughs> I'm going to say Taylor Swift, I'm going to change it to has, redeemed herself with a lover, because it is so much better than Reputation. <laughs> I haven't listened to it all the way through. It's, I really like it. Really I like listened it. to the first single, and then when she got to the part where it was like, uh, hey it? kids, spelling hey, is fun. Spell, yeah, hey kids, spelling they is fun. They cut that Lost out of the me. final edit. Lost me. They cut that. it out. The good because like literally, I listened to that. I was like, "What is this?" That made me so. It made I me was so, angry. so upset because the song was like a bop and it was like really catchy. Literally, hey kids, my spelling is fun, and I'm like, "What?" I'm like, did Scholastics put you up to this? <laughs> my emotions that day because it just dropped out of nowhere. Like she announced it at midnight, yeah. and it was like, "Hey, this is." I was like, oh, Taylor Swift and Brennan Urie combine, collaborate yeah. on a song. And like, as the song plays, I was like, okay, this is really good. And then he, she says, hey, kids, spelling is fun. And it went, oh, I know. Never was, mind. Don't like yeah. the song anymore. But that they, was the same yeah. way. I was watching it and I was like, what just happened? The and music like, video is wild. <laughs> I can't even, I, I don't even know how Brandon Urie was like, yep, you can, you can continue <laughs> to put my name on this. I agree to this. Yeah, but. I'm glad that so it's not on the record. It's not on the record. Good. They cut it from the final the record. That's mix, great. So that's great. So we'll just forever live on YouTube. In great video. decisions. Yeah. What is your favorite song of all time? Oh, um, I would say "Your Hand in Mine" by Explosions in the Sky has no lyrics, but so many feels. I would say that's my like if like if you're ever trying to hack hack one of my bank accounts or something and they're like what's your favorite what's your favorite song it's probably your hand in mine <laughs> you heard it here guys i you know how much i hate these questions i really shouldn't have asked a question i was not prepared to answer either so <laughs> you know it's as an enneagram 4 it's very hard to pinpoint these questions cuz it's like i see it more as like a journey timeline of like yeah this song is associated with this milestone in my life mm -hmm. and this song. So the only one that's coming to my head, but I, and I think because it just maps out just like my whole kind of tipping point into music is studying politics by Emery. Okay. I just have so many and not so much like just that whole album. I know I have to choose a song, but like that whole album, cause you had that, you had, there's only chasing safety that's when it just like started for me getting into music. Nice. Because I'm a three, mine changes day by day. Uh, but right now I'm going to have to say One Night Only by The Struts. Because so that needs no Is it a sad moment in time when a band writes a new song that takes the throne? Yeah, it is. Somebody? It really is. Yeah. It's like the musical version of Toy Story. That's a sad comparison. When, when <laughs> but Woody, so true. When Woody is no longer Andy's favorite. Aww. Aww. Why, why you gotta cut to the heart like that? Like, Think about Bye, it. Woody. <laughs> like I love 
couple of my honorable mentions or one of mine is the song Pain by The War on Drugs. Amazing bridge. Mm-hmm. Go listen to it right now. Stop this podcast. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay, if you're stranded on a desert island, what one album are you bringing with you? I would say right now, The Deeper Understanding by The War on Drugs. My favorite record right now. Right. Are we just doing it all time or just all in time. general? Oh, crap. Well, okay. Now I have an answer. Tomorrow, what would you bring with you? I, I know. It would be, I'm going to cheat a little bit, but it's a greatest hit album by Elton John. I know it's cheating. No, it's valid. But yeah, that's probably what I bring. I like how the island has played no role in this. <laughs> you have some <laughs> mystical way how to play it. I don't know how. There's electricity on this island. Like a record player out of sand. But like, if you're sitting on an island, would you not want like the Beach Boys or no. the Beatles or something? I can't, li- I can't listen to that. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you just gotta. If you're stuck on an island, you gotta listen to something that you enjoy to listen. Yeah, to. I would choose "Night at the Opera" by Queen. Great. Because great it's it's diverse enough. Like no song yeah. sounds the same. You're not gonna get. I mean, you'll get bored eventually. But uh, what's your go-to coffee order? Cappuccino. Latte. Black coffee. <laughs> Boring. Just drip. Just black. drip black coffee. If I'm All feeling right. adventurous, it's a vanilla latte. But what's your your plain latte? I would say I add just a little bit of caramel because I don't like my okay. drinks overly sweet. But I want just a little note of sweetness. Okay. Shout out to Backline Coffee. Yes, <laughs> which we were gonna drink, but we got beer instead. So hey. Um. Last question. If you were a box of cereal, what would you be and why? <laughs> Oh, um, gosh, this sounds like, this is a weird (laughs) question. I would be, oh man, every answer I have sounds terrible. Um, This was me Googling. Because I'm like, my favorite cereal is Fruity Pebbles, but that would mean that I'm like flaky (laughs) and I try not to be a flaky person. I appreciate the thought behind this. Um, I'm putting the same level of thought over here right now. I would just let you go first. I would say honey honey nut Cheerios. Um, because I'm a little bit better than like the I'm a little bit more complex than the average Cheerio. Mm. I have a sweet spot. You know, I'm 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 a nice person sometimes to a detriment. And I'm overall good for you. I have a lot of fiber. Um <laughs> I can really, I can really hold things together. That's a great answer. Right? I can really, I can really hold things together. You know, sometimes when life is crazy, it's just like, you just got to hold it together. You got a lot of whole grains too. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have a little bit of fiber to hold this, um, shit show together. You know? I appreciate that. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Cool. It's not on our band list of words. Yes. What's on the band list? (laughs) I'll tell you later. We have a whole spreadsheet, believe it or not. (laughs) I would be the Captain Crunch Christmas cereal. Shit, you stole my answer. (laughs) Deal with it. That's what I get for going second. I've never never even had that. Oh, man. It is the superior Captain Crunch. It's just available at Christmas. It's only available at Christmas. I actually. What's Christmas about? It has little like stockings and stars and stuff and it's like red and green with the regular explain how this personifies as (laughs) okay one i love christmas i mean who doesn't love christmas so there's that but i think just in general captain crunch it's got a little longevity to it when it's in the milk (laughs) 
like it doesn't get soggy right away like it has some sustainability so you can really take take it you yeah know? Like you just like it preserves life itself is wild right now sure it might be You're like i i got at least a couple weeks <laughs> that's of right this. It, it keeps going or days or hours or minutes sure, of- sure the thing that preserves it together is probably chemicals and bad for you but the point is it's going so that's what i would say well since beth ann stole my answer and i gotta come up with a new one Wow. You guys didn't even talk about this before? No. To make sure there wasn't cereal stealing? No. Um, <laughs> the only cereal Wheaties I can think of right tough. now. No. <laughs> I was actually going to say frosted shredded wheat because, you know, it's intimidating cereal, but it's actually pretty delicious once you start to eat it. <laughs> That's your answer. That's my answer. That's your answer. Okay. Um, So on that note, uh, what's everyone drinking on this episode? Uh, Cosmic IPA, Boulevard Brewing Company, Space Camper. It's got really cool branding. It does. And Sweet Tarts, Maine Blueberry Sour Ale by Peak Organic Brewing Company. I am doing... I didn't realize the name until I picked this. <laughs> Whoops. All right. <laughs> this is called Licking Hole Creek Craft Brewery, and it is the Scarlet Honey Hoppy Red Ale with Estate Honey. Mm. That sounds fancy. I'm drinking Sour Me Tangelo. I think that's how you pronounce that fruit. From Dewclaw Brewing out of Baltimore. And it is really good. I don't know about y'all's if they were good, but this yeah. one's really good. Yeah, pretty good. Juicy hop blast. <laughs> and since I am sick, I had a cough drop. And <laughs> yeah, what's so, that pairing called? <laughs> uh, hops and drops. <laughs> it's how will your beer taste after you had a cough drop? Did it still taste good? Yeah. Ooh, hoppy and droppy. <laughs> hop block and drop it. How many more bad puns can I make? Uh, probably not many because our time's running out. Uh, but thank you for being on our podcast it's and been a pleasure. being willing to be our first interview. Much respect for what you're doing. Thank you. And thanks so much for just help. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Supporting us. Supporting. Thank you. Yeah. Um, supporting us. I mean, it's just really, we really believe in what you guys do for the area. Um, both from a coffee supply standpoint and a record supply standpoint. So we're happy to be part of it. Agreed. Yeah, way to do something cool with what you have in your platform. We support it. Oh, that's awesome. Women can rock too. That's right. You heard her here, folks. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. We want to give a special shout out to Lauren Page Photography for our cover photo, Josh Tarpley for our guitar riff, Blake at Speaker Tree for not only being on today's episode, but for owning Speaker Tree and Backline Coffee, who help us out and give us coffee for all of our caffeinated needs. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at She Will Rock You Podcast. You can follow Beth Ann on Instagram at Beth Ann Tarpley. You can follow me at leahelizabeth.j. You got to put the dot in there. Feel free to attack the other Leah Elizabeth J who won't give me her handle. 
Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Please do not cyberbully anybody. I did not tell you to do that. And we will see you back here next week for your regularly scheduled content. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs.